Hello and welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Kath, how you doing? Hey, Pat. I'm doing okay. Uh, we just recorded uh, another episode right before this, and uh, I took a break, and I made some food, and I thought it would make my headache go away, but it did not. So, Oh, no. You know, I'm surviving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just... I, I got a headache just from the, the, the sheer uh, preposterousness of the last scam that we talked about. And that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be on our Patreon. You guys are gonna want to tune into that. Um, Patreon.com slash lie cheat and steal A and D. Uh, I believe when you're hearing this, that episode Pat is referring to will already be out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're gonna get on there. Hear about the insanity of charter schools. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I talk about my educational experience at several charter schools. And yeah, fun <laughs> episode, fun episode. Exclusive content. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't talk about my janky passages. Anybody false, follow me on Twitter. I'll talk about it all the time. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. That was uh, we just been recording tonight, so not much to talk about. Um, you know, just another uh, another beautiful day down here in Austin, Texas. I started to realize we talk about the weather a lot, and I think that should speak to the fact that we're actually friends because that's. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I'm genuinely interested to hear what it's here about. <laughs> <our> <laughs> yeah, man. I um, yeah, I, I've been having a good week. Uh, you know, first of the month is rolling around. We're just gonna dive right in here. Uh, first of the month is rolling around. And, you know, bills are coming up, and, you know, money can be stressful. And, Kath, I, I know everybody's probably thought once or twice you could probably stand, uh, winning the lottery wouldn't be that bad, you know? I know everybody Absolutely. thinks about that. It's the American fantasy. I remember growing up, my daddy used to always talk about what he would do if he won the lottery. It was always, it was always just sweet and innocent stuff. We're just like, you know, man, man, if I won the lottery, I'd get this car. Just something nice. Everybody wants to win the lottery. and Yeah, just, I mean, everybody, like, I feel like everybody thinks about, like, okay, how, what, like, slug of money, like, how much would I need to just kind of make me whole? Yeah. Like, how much would I need to just kind of get everything back in order? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming rich people don't think about it that way, but, like, the vast majority of people I know do have some kind of ballpark number in their head most of the time of, like, if I could just win, like, the big prize on a scratch-off, yeah. I would... I could I could fix everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if, if uh, rich people fantasize about uh, huge windfalls of money. Frankly, I don't want to know. Uh, rich people, if you're out there, uh, I think based on our episodes on this podcast, they absolutely oh, do. Absolutely, they will go out of their yeah, way yeah. <laughs> to uh, scam their way into more money. Yeah, I feel like. But they, but they probably don't think about it of like, oh man, if I could just get that yeah. four thousand dollars, like the way I do, you know. Yeah, like if you're like if you're out there, if you're if you're rich and you're dreaming of winning the lottery, stop. That's our dream, okay? That's yeah, that's lay not, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, I want, I know, I, I've always thought about it. Everybody always thinks about it. Well, I, I want to talk today about a guy who, who did more than think about it. He, he didn't just sit there and say, I. I want to win the lottery. This man said, I am going to win the lottery. Uh, Kath, I'm talking about, I did not know about this guy. This was recommended to me by a coworker, uh, this story. And I looked it up, and it's bizarre. I was going to do a story about John Edwards, the fake psychic. And I was halfway through researching it. I was like, okay, he's a psychic, but he's full of shit. 
Well, where's the hook? Where, where's the grab? You know what I'm saying? I don't want to bring y'all yeah, a, bore, yeah. a boring episode. So I just went <laughs> for this sensational story. I'm going to talk today about a man named Stefan Mondel. Uh, Stefan Mondel, all right, was a Romanian economist. Uh, he was born um, 1943. He was born 1943. And in the late 1960s, uh, as a young Romanian ec- uh, economist, Stefan Mondel was struggling to get by. I'm going to be reading today from, a, from an article printed in uh, an online publication called The Hustle. It was from the August 25th, 2018 article. And so Stefan... Uh, St- I feel like that's got to be embarrassing when you're an economist and you don't... You can't yeah, 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 yeah. Like, God, <laughs> if I only knew how this shit worked. Uh, <laughs> I think it was... Um, uh, at the time, Mondo lived in Romania. And in the, in the 1960s, it was communist ran. And like mm-hmm. most uh, former Soviet Eastern Bloc countries, it was uh, ran poorly. And now at the time... Uh, most Romanians, it says, or many Romanians had turned to a life of crime to get by. Um, you know, at the time, it was under oppressive, uh, oppressive communist rule. It was a period marred by poverty, job, and food shortages. And, quote, uh, from Mondel, profound misery, which, you know, that's never mm-hmm. good. So <laughs> Mondel made a salary of about $10 a month. And that, oddly <laughs> enough, was not enough to make ends meet. As he, as he, yeah, he once said, you know, he just he said he needed to get quote some serious money quick, don't we all, Stefan? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Mondel saw a lot of adult Romanians were turning to crime, and also very funny thing about the fall of the Romanian Communist Party was the I forget the guy's name, but he was doing a real bad job, and one day <laughs> every working age Romanian uh, on a Friday when they were supposed to get off work and go and enjoy time with their families and their friends were ordered to get on a bus and go to the city square so this guy could basically get them all in one place and go like, come on, I'm not that bad of a guy. What are you talking about? And <laughs> he kept them out there for an entire afternoon and they just said, fuck it, and beat him to death on live television. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's really not a good strategy yeah. for how do I make these people like me? I know, I'll take them directly from work <laughs> yeah, on the to weekend. hear a speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like... I feel like what he tried to do uh, is the same principle of why bad kids don't do well at high school pep rallies. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not... They yeah. want to go under the bleachers. Like, they're yeah. not going to listen to you. Yeah, I, I have, have a tried and true method of just keeping everyone I don't like away from each other. I don't want them teaming up. I don't want them swapping notes yeah. on me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> don't get them all together. Yeah. That's a really bad strategy. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep people who don't like me in separate cities, okay? I, I, I just, yeah, no thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, when you have when you hit enough people who don't like you in one city, yeah. that means you have to move. You gotta move. Like, yeah, you gotta go. You hit critical mass and yeah. you gotta get out of there. Imagine, imagine if, like, all the people you don't like got together and, like, unionized. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> Inter- yeah, no, it's your worst nightmare. Yeah, like, That's not what you want. Yeah, the International PZ, PZ Haters Alliance. Like, I can't have that. Right, like, all, imagine, like, all your exes get together and, like, establish <laughs> collective bargaining. Oh, like, that's man. not good. <laughs> oh, no, just put their differences aside and take me out. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so basically, he wanted, he, he needed money fast. Um, he thought, because he was a, a self-described philosopher mathematician, he thought, what if I won the lottery? Now, let's take a step back. What kind of idiot banks on winning the lottery? You're more likely to win an <laughs> Olympic gold medal. Uh, have I ident- He's not a very good economist. <laughs> this is his plan. Well, Kath, we, we're going to find out this... I'll say, I'll say it right now. This 
aside from like some shady shit he pulled off at the end, I think this is almost a good guy episode. Ooh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we're almost in good guy territory, except kind of towards the end he did the, the thing that you would expect people to do with a lot of money, but, you know, got to give credit where it's due. So, it says, let's take a step back here. What kind of idiot banks a winning the lottery? Like I said, you're more likely to have uh, identical quintuplets or get crushed by a vending machine. Well, Mondal wasn't just any guy. He was a natural with numbers who spent every spare minute analyzing theoretical probability papers. And after years of research, he wrote a number-picking algorithm based on the method he dubbed combinatorial condensation. Um, he said, I'm a weekend mathematician, an accountant without too much education, but mathematics properly applied can guarantee a fortune. Here's how it works. If a player picks six numbers at a 49-ball lottery, his odds of winning are 1 in 13,983,816. If he selects 15 numbers, which is required for purchasing 5,005 games, one for each possible combination, his odds of winning increase to 1 in 2,794. Now, Mondal claimed that his algorithm could reduce these 5,005 combinations to just 569. So when you get down to numbers like 569, you now have, if you have six winning numbers that fell among your 15 picks, you'd be guaranteed to win at least a second prize of hundreds or hundreds of smaller prizes. And he'd have a one in 10 chance of winning the grand prize. One in 10, not that bad with the lottery. So, Wow. So he's like, I, I don't fully understand the numbers, but he's basically like, if you, ha- if you have to pick X amount of numbers, there's a, you can purchase a certain amount of tickets and a certain amount of combinations and get it to a one in 10 chance of winning. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what he's saying? Yes, yeah, to simplify. So Mondal banded together with four friends, each of whom bought 228 tickets. Now, uh, miraculously, he won the first prize. Uh, It came out to about $2,000. In today's money, about 16 grand, about 17 grand adjusted for inflation. After expenses, he walked away with enough to bribe four ministry officials and flee Romania for a new life and a bigger jackpot. So, for the next four years, he roamed around Europe, and Mondal eventually settled in Australia. And he set out to gain the lottery in a different way. Now, in a typical lottery, a set of numbers within a certain range, say 1 to 50, are randomly selected. If yours match any in any order, you win the jackpot. The chances of winning are based on the number of combinations of these numbers, which the possible combinations, which is, you know, in the millions. Uh, now, Mondal caught on to something. In certain lottos, the jackpot would climb to an amount more than three times the cost of buying every combination. So, yeah, if a lottery required six picks, uh, six picks of numbers between 1 and 40, this would yield about 3.8 million possible combinations. Now, let's say the same lottery had a $10 million jackpot. In theory, Mondal could buy a ticket for every single combination at $1 each and be guaranteed a win, after taxes, of a decent profit, like like a little over $6 million. So That's crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. He's basically using this like an investment opportunity. He, oh, he's like, yes, yes, he I is. Won, so I, I, won the, I won the lottery. Now I have enough money to buy, to like basically guarantee a win by buying every single combination, re, thereby reinvesting my winnings into the lottery. Precisely. That's exactly what you're saying. Wow. You say investment opportunity because we'll find out because uh, – I'll say it right out. His his lifetime lottery wins, fourteen times he's won the lottery. So, wow. Yeah, he he came to found out. He said about an investment opportunity. Well, you, when you got to buy a lot of tickets, you have to crowd you crowdfund, and so we will get into that. So, 
He said any high school student could calculate the combinations, but this method came with some major logistical setbacks. How would he get the capital? How could he possibly fill out hundreds of thousands of tickets, number by number? Well, over a period of years, Model convinced hundreds of investors to pull their money together to create a lotto syndicate. Two cool-ass <laughs> fucking words that are very that cool. are also very dangerous, just smashed right next to each other. Uh <laughs> He then developed a full-fledged automation system, a room full of printers and computers running on an algorithm that pre-populated tickets with every combination. Computers revolutionized models process. Before, he had been limited to writing out millions of combinations by hand where a single mistake could ruin eight months of work. Now... Yeah, he... I mean, his, like, corner 7-Eleven must hate <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, ah, oh, it is you again. Hello, sir. They... <laughs> Yeah, they see him coming and they just like, oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going on break. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not... <laughs> I worked at a Dairy Queen one time next to an apartment building that burned down, an apartment complex that burned down, and I was getting off at five o'clock and I clocked out at five and the minute I clocked out, uh, the fire chief walked in. And was like, I need fifty number one combos. They just looked at me. I was like, I'm out of here, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go watch these buildings burn down with the rest of the town. It was so dope. It was like a festival. <laughs> um, so yeah. So throughout the 1980s, Mondel's syndicate would, would wait until a jackpot was three times bigger than the cost of covering all possible combinations, then move to buy thousands of tickets. They managed to win 12 lotteries and rake in 400000 in smaller prizes across Australia, including a $1.1 million haul in 1986. Um, he said, everyone said to me, you cannot, you will not succeed. Now the voices that have long came, that have long cast me as a dreamer have been silenced. So he's very humble about his success. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> he's like in your fucking face. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to take this time to have a moment of silence for all my haters. <laughs> uh, so... But Mondell's system soon attracted negative attention. His repeated wins prompted Australian lottery authorities to change the law. Boo! Fucking narcs. Um, by disallowing a single person from buying every possible combination. Uh, That's not fair. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah, say yeah. that. <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. You actually can't do that. So, yeah, yeah. Can you buy every combination minus one? Yeah, yeah then sign me up. Oh, that was the combination. I'd, <laughs> uh, boy, I'd be ticked. But um, so he set his minds on a much bigger feat, one that would make international headlines and boggle the minds of lottery officials around the world. Uh, Mondo began by identifying lotteries where the jackpot had risen to three times the cost of buying all possible combinations. Ultimately, he printed out tickets for six U.S. lotteries, including Massachusetts, Arizona, and Virginia. Uh, Virginia's lottery offered several advantages. It was fairly new, and it allowed buyers to purchase tickets in unlimited quantities and print them at home. Ah, Virginia. Uh, but most importantly, <laughs> its numbers range from 1 to 44. Other states went as high as 54. That meant with six picks, there were only 7 Even million more. possible combinations compared to the usual 25 million. So, yeah. Mondal set up an agency with a major insurance company under the Shell Corporation, the Pacific Financial Resources. Uh, he established a trust called the International Lotto Fund and convinced 2,560 people to buy a 10-year life insurance policy with a $4,000 annual premium. Mondal then used this money legally, this is completely legal what he's doing, to buy each person a stake in the lottery. So, in a Melbourne warehouse, he set up 30 computers, 12 laser printers, and hired 16 full-time employees to print millions of tickets populated with every possible combination. It took him three months. This this like this makes sense but at the same time 
I'm just imagining him trying to pitch this as a life insurance policy to people. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, I yeah, cannot yeah. imagine that going well. I Where want like, you. No, yeah. I will provide you a life insurance policy and it will be funded with the lottery, yeah, which yeah, I yeah, will yeah. win. <laughs> yeah. I want you to bet. Your life insurance yeah. policy is literally me buying you lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, fair question. What do you, why can't you just walk down to 7-Eleven yourself? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> I am good at numbers, and I have an accent. <laughs> and it's Virginia, yeah. so like, oh, man, he does have an accent, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's right. <laughs> so with the tickets secured in Virginia, oh, he also shipped uh, one ton of paper <laughs> to a, a point person in the U.S. All the tickets, it cost him 60 grand to ship the shit. So he said he shipped the stuff. Wow. He secured the tickets in Virginia, and Mondal had to, Mondal had to wait until the jackpot hit a number that would make financial sense after taxes, overhead, and paying off investors. So a state lottery prize typically begins in the low millions and increases every time a drawing goes by with no winner. When you see those bizarre like eight hundred million dollar jackpots, it means nobody's won in a while. So Mondal yep. had to anticipate when to strike and had to hope for the best. That there wouldn't be multiple winners to dilute the pot and ruin his margins. So on February twelfth, nineteen ninety two. The Virginia Lottery jackpot hit $15.5 million. Mondal's team on the ground was given a simple directive, go. And nobody could have ensued or anticipate the madness that would ensue. As Mondal knew, the buy-all combinations of a method of winning a lottery was more of a logistical than a financial challenge. The hard part was yet to come. Tickets can be legally printed at home, but they still had to be taken to an authorized lotto retailer in the U.S., paid for, $1 each, ah. and processed. And as we said before, waltzing into a gas station with 1.4 million tickets and a truckload of cash wasn't an option. So, Mondal hired an accounting firm, Low Litman, to transfer $9 million in investor funds to Crestar Bank in Boston, where it was cut into $10,000 cashier's checks. He then lined up advance deals with Virginia-based retail chains to buy all the tickets in bulk. All he needed was a point person on the ground to orchestrate the mayhem. So he had to hit up his boy. Uh, his boy's name is uh, Anathy Alex. And uh, I just want to say, like, I'm envisioning all of this happening in a Guy Ritchie lock stock two smoking Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why this has not been uh, adapted to film, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the person who told me this is this kid that I work with who's, like, fresh out of the Israeli Defense Force. <laughs> and, like, he just, he told me about this guy as, as like, well, not as if, but he was like, let me tell you about my superhero. <laughs> <laughs> so he got his homeboy, uh, uh, Anathalie Alex, and Alex was uh, primarily outfitted in a gold Rolex and a safari suit. Uh, he was a sweet talker who could make the world seem like a bed of roses. An ex-paratrooper turned Rolls-Royce salesman turned oil prospector. Come on. Wow. Now. Yeah. That's a life. Yeah. He was often seen gallivanting around his small town of Teutopolis, Illinois, in a t-shirt that read, Please, Lord, let me prove to you that winning the lottery won't spoil me. <laughs> that is way too many words for a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the... That is too long of a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. I, I, I always think of this kid um, who was a Dallas Cowboys fan that I went to school with, who instead of writing, you know, Dallas Cowboys or Cowboys or writing the star on his book cover in high school, he wrote... And completely grammatical, like with caps lock and lowercase and punctuation, he just said, the Dallas Cowboys are America's team and my team, period. <laughs> <laughs> that rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that kid was pretty cool. Uh, so, 
so one day, Mondale called him, and Alex was fresh out of bankruptcy court, no shit, uh, with $400,000 in debt and 16 maxed out credit cards, as he said he was ready for action. Any action. Gross. The job was harrowing. <laughs> he was to coordinate the drop-off payment and the processing of 1.4 million lottery tickets at hundreds of stores all over Virginia. So the jackpot hit $15.5 million on Wednesday. The next draw would be on Saturday. This meant that his team had 72 hours to pull it off. So, three days before the draw, Alex checked into a hotel inn in Norfolk, Virginia and set up a command center at the Kroger at the Kroger Center in nearby business park. Uh, it was an 88-acre oh, yeah. maze of buildings, and he had a team of 35 couriers and distributed cellphone wrap bundles of 10,000 tickets with stacks of, ca- of $10,000 cashier's checks. So he said, think of it like an office pool, he told the CPAs, except a large office pool. <laughs> <laughs> so for two straight days, the couriers methodically descended on 125 gas stations and supermarkets. Farm Fresh, Miller Mart, Tanee Giant, all places woefully inferior to AGB. Um, and there do were- you think he, do you think that like in setting all this up, because I know he made like partnerships with these retail places to basically like, Prearranged this so they weren't being ambushed with like a guy coming in with ten thousand tickets. Yeah, yeah. They, do you think? Do you think he had to explain all of this to each of them? <laughs> well, it's just like, I th- okay, just trust me. Yeah. I'm buying all the lottery combinations. I can't get into all the math. Yeah. it's a long story. Just sell me your tickets. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's crazy, but. As Rick Miller, a local gas station proprietor, once said, uh, you know, we thought they were nuts, but if somebody comes up and says they want to buy 700,000 lottery tickets, I'm not going to turn them away. (laughs) Sure. So a representative at Farm Fresh uh, who sold a portion of tickets to Mondel's team had a more spirited take. They said, for someone trying to do this ticket by ticket is a very chancy proposition, but that's what Lotto's all about. Folks, come on down to Farm Fresh. So by Saturday (laughs) evening, the team was nearing completion. Then disaster struck. One of the chains who sold tickets in bulk got overwhelmed and quit in the final hours, leaving $140,000 in tickets. Look, I know it's not your problem, buddy, but if you're not, that's 700,000 total combinations. If I got $15.5 million in 1992 Clinton's America money riding <laughs> on a fucking lottery thing and you left 140,000 tickets on the table, I'd be showing the fuck up. That's all I can say. Like, I, I would. Yeah. I would be you there. You can't just quote get overwhelmed and quit. Yeah. Like, you're in at that point. Yeah. To be, oh, I wish I could quit. I, I say having quit many, many things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so one of the chains who sold tickets in bulk, uh, yeah, they got overwhelmed. They left 140 tickets on the table. So when the deadline for entry arrived, around 1.24 million of Mandel's of Mondel's 1.4 million tickets. Um, had been, had been processed. So they still had about uh, six. So of all the seven million possible combinations, they only had six point four million of them. Oh man! Yeah, Mondel's foolproof plan, which had relied on securing every single possibility, was in jeopardy because he did not factor for laziness, which is, I think, the strongest human emotion next to love absolutely it is the most as far as like affecting your behavior yeah very few things are stronger yeah yeah so model knew that without 100 percent of the combination secured his strategy was reduced to a multi-million dollar game of chance cue music no he was aware i mean basically it was like his lotto scheme was reduced to him actually playing yeah 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 he was like what the fuck is this i don't know i don't want to play the lottery like i just no 
oh no, guys, you got it all wrong. That's not why I'm here. <laughs> so <laughs> Model knew that without 100% of the combinations, um, yeah, he was aware that of other ill-fated attempts to game a U.S. lottery by buying bulk tickets. Uh, same thing happened in Sacramento when a retiree bought 30,000 tickets with a diaper bag full of cash, walked away empty-handed. Uh, still had a diaper bag, though. Let's not forget that. Months later, a computer engineer known as The Phantom purchased 80,000 combination at a Jacksonville, Florida bar and won only minor prizes. So even if Mondal were to win... You can't... If you're only winning minor prizes, you can't be called The Phantom. Yeah, yeah, You have to win the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, you walk in as The Phantom when you buy 80 grand in tickets when you lose, you're fucking branded again. Uh, Yeah. So... Yeah, even if you were to win, there's also the possibility of multiple winners, a, sign- a scenario that could significantly dilute the jackpot. Also, more right. likely now that, you know, all their numbers are out of the mix. So the numbers were drawn on live television, and in a nearby warehouse, Alex and his team watched with bated breath. Then, a victorious shout, they'd won. When the $27 million ticket came up, yeah, basically it was uh, the, they won more, it was supposed to be $50.5 million. they ended up winning $27 million. He said everybody was six feet off the ground. It was the most incredible thing in the world. Uh, yeah. From his home in Australia. He didn't even leave Australia for this. Right. He's just orchestrating. Yeah, king shit. Uh, <laughs> so Mandel sent out a short message to his 2,524 investors. He said one of our target lotteries did jackpot to our required level. So the $27 million jackpot with 900 grand in secondary prizes was to be paid out in 20 annual installments of $1.3 million. Uh, but Virginia, Amazing. Yeah, but Virginia's lottery czars had other plans. Although, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Virginia lottery czars. Them in Nevada. <laughs> you in Nevada boxing have you ever? <laughs> have you ever, by the way, um, Pat, in Austin, they do the Texas lottery right by the Velveeta Room. Have you ever watched them do it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've walked by plenty of times and seen that. Um, it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty tight to they watch. They do... It's like right right on street level, they do the Texas Lotto. Uh, they pull the numbers yeah. right on 6th Street. Yeah, you can watch and, uh, it. It's, it's very fun to go sit down there and watch. Yeah. And, uh, and get a, it's right next to the Jim Jims, the water ice place. Oh, man, those, that place pops, man. That place is really good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one time, Two recommended things yeah, if anything yeah, yeah, ever yeah. opens again. One time, I was getting a, one time I was getting a gym gym with me, it was me and my ex, and we were sitting there in a bridal shower, like in the middle of the day, just like a, like a, a, like a bachelorette party, just like mm-hmm. walked by, like fully day drunk with like little hats and streamers, and Priscilla just <laughs> pretended to walk into their group with them and like walked like, a, like, a, like about 12 feet with them, just dancing with them and shit, and I was like, oh, that'd be so funny to just, <laughs> this is where we part ways, just go off with the fucking... <laughs> yeah, blend in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Mondal, yes, yeah, so basically the the all the 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 squares in Virginia um, were like, you know, hey, that's kind of a cheat. So Virginia Lottery Director uh, Ken Thorson pled to the press. He said, you know, we might remember Thomas Jefferson's view of a lottery as it as an opportunity for the common man to spend a small sum for the possibility of a higher prize. We never anticipated a group trying to make such a large purchase. Shut up, Ken. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's still a bunch of small men, you know, getting, or uh, I don't say small, a common men spending small sums yeah. and getting a payout. Yeah, it's just, 
Somebody, they, they, he just doesn't like that they organize together to do it. Yeah. Oh, and if you can see a picture of this guy, Ken Thorson, he's he really doesn't like that they organize together. He doesn't like that anything's happening. <laughs> he's not happy. He's in the photo. He's not happy. His fucking hair's gone. I'm sure his home life isn't much to talk about. But then again, this is from 1992, <laughs> so he might be dead. R.I.P. Ken. Um, so I miss you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hope you're ruining fun in heaven, you bald bastard. <laughs> it's like, guys, I know you like you thought we could just float on a cloud, but I think God really meant for us to just praise him on high for the rest of eternity. It's like, shut up, Ken. <laughs> All of, I remember having a Sunday school class ruined when they asked us to tell us what we thought was in heaven. And we all were like, skate parks, you know. Super Soaker <laughs> stores or whatever. And the guy goes, those things all sound like fun, but all you'll be doing is praising God to the end of time. And uh, yeah, yeah, I walked square the fuck out. <laughs> I was like, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I was like, it was bullshit. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, meanwhile, though, it is, uh, so yeah, so in the end, neither Mondal, so he was subjected to a 14, uh, 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 an investigation involving 14 international agencies uh, between here and Australia. But in the end, neither Mondal nor the ILF, that was the International the uh, international Lottery Fund that he started, was found guilty of any wrongdoing. Um, yeah. Mondal, with his trademark, uh, uh, his trademark humble uh, demeanor, said, um, I'm not, he said, I will live to be 150. <laughs> This guy rules. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he just like is fueled by spite. Yeah, 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 man. Spite will keep you living and going strong. I'm telling you, we become happy. You lose your edge, and the, yeah, that's when the world gets you, man. Stay. Yeah, <laughs> my, I've, I've accomplished the best things in my life just just with a big chip on my shoulder. Um, <laughs> he said, "I'll live to be 150. I'm not the type of person who lays down and dies because some glorified clerk doesn't know what he's doing." <laughs> Oh, oh, suck a big one, Ken <laughs> Thorson, with your stupid glasses. All right, so meanwhile, in his home country of Australia, he became something of a folk hero because it's a cool, albeit racist, island ran by or founded by convicts. So, of course, they love him. Uh, and yeah. Our, yeah, yeah, an article in the Australian version of People magazine described him as a kangaroo hopping out of the U.S. with a pouch full of cash. <laughs> All right, that's that. That seems a little like yeah. weirdly prejudiced toward Australians, but okay. They said it. That was that was the yeah. the Australian people. They could take a joke. Yeah, uh, man. Too bad Instagram stories delete. But when Jared Holly went to Australia and just played with kangaroos on Instagram Live, oh all my god, that was that classic. Was, that was the best Instagram's ever been. Uh, so uh, when the dust settled, each person who bought into the, the lottery through Mondal's life insurance policy, small business owners, machine operators, housekeepers, few doctors, they all made out on top of their investment with about $1.4,000. Not a bad turnaround. Wait. With, Wait, how much did they give and how much did they get back? <clears throat> they gave, let's see what their life insurance policy was. Let's go back and find that. So... Sorry, I want to click. Okay, so um, it was a four thousand dollar annual premium. So they were able to make their four thousand back plus one point seven thousand on top. So seventeen hundred dollars plus what they made. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah, plus, yeah, plus what they made back. That's not terrible. No, not that's ter- all right. Not ter- it, it, it only took. I, I believe it was all done in under a year. And I mean, honestly, yeah. like a thousand dollars off interest off a four thousand dollar investment wouldn't happen literally anywhere else. Like except like yeah, yeah, you're not in gonna, a year. Yeah, not yeah, bad. yeah. You're not gonna yeah, you're not gonna twenty five percent back in like one like fiscal cycle. So, um, 
Now, some were not pleased with the behavior. So, now, this is where I said it gets a little, a little shitty. Um, one disgruntled invest, investor, uh, investor said that um, they said the guy was. He said he was toxic. I don't know. I mean, it's, he still made one point seven thousand dollars. I mean, shit. So, meanwhile, Mondal paid himself a one-time consultant fee of one point seven million dollars and reportedly sold the annuity on a twenty-year payout to a U.S. insurance company for a lump sum of fourteen million dollars. So, wow. Yeah. Um, so he basically like got it both ways, where he like set this whole thing up, then he wins, then he's like, I don't even have to worry about administering this anymore. I'm yeah. just selling it all. Sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's see. Uh, yeah. So then he, let's see. At that point, he he, he spent about five point five million on tickets and uh, about five hundred grand in expenses. So I mean, he, you know, he made a good sum of money. Uh, he. He put his money into a Pacific Basin Fund, a Hong Kong-based account managed by his brother-in-law. And uh, then, you know, he uh, kind of disappeared off of the thing. However, not the best ending. Um, and about a few years later, 1995, Mondal declared bankruptcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't spend the next day. I guess that answers our question of, like, do rich people feel like, oh, if I could just get this yeah. much more money, I'd be okay. Like, sounds like he fell into that trap pretty hard. Yep, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, he basically he spent the next uh, decade running various investment schemes, one of which earned him a 10-month jail sentence in Israel for the alleged non-publication of a perspective in a cooperative society. I do not know what that means. Uh, Mondal's, <laughs> Mondal's attorney wrote to tell us that his conviction was overturned and that Mondal never spent a single day in prison. So, lawyer ball. Um, today, Mondal spends his days at a beach house on a remote island in Vanuatu, off the coast of Australia. He lives a quiet life and reports being retired from the lottery. Uh, however, this is old information. <laughs> this is old information because he, uh, he actually now lives in the UK and he wants to go back to Australia, but he can't travel because of COVID. Oh man, he's yeah. stuck. Let's oh no, oh, no, I'm sorry. He wants to go back to Israel because he he is uh, he has like enough like Jewish ancestry that he could go you go to Israel, and mm -hmm. so yeah. But he can't because of COVID. He can't because of COVID. Yeah, so. I love the idea of telling somebody that you're retired from the lottery. I'm retired. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it sounds like a dad joke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has never revealed the, the minute details of his algorithm because he said that'd be like Coca-Cola revealing their recipe. Love the swag. Um, <laughs> Again, no, the ego on this guy yeah, is incredible. Yeah, yeah. His legacy lives on uh, in U.S. legislation. Um, all 44 states that run lotteries have enacted laws preventing the profitable replication of Mondal's strategy. Punks. Uh, in effect, this secures him a title as the first and last man to ever successfully game the lottery by buying every possible combination. Um, reflecting back on wilder times, he played off the riskiness of his gambit. He said, I'm a man who takes risks, but in a calculated way. He said, uh, <laughs> yeah. He told a Romanian newspaper called Bursa, he said, uh, trimming my beard is a lottery. There's always a possibility I'll cut myself and get an infection in my blood and die, but I'd do it anyways. <laughs> I mean, I guess. The chances, he said, yeah, the chances, he said, are in are in my favor. So <laughs> that's the story of Stefan Mondel. Uh, I'm going to say worth it. Definitely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Good Do for it. him. Try it. If you, if you analyze flaws like this in anything and all of it, you know, it's, it's, it's completely legal and they're not hurting anyone. Yeah, by all means. They, they shouldn't be mad about it because... It, it's like all those people are like the money was going to get won either way. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't, 
Right. Yeah. Like, it arguably, arguably benefited more people the way he did it because he had a bunch of people buying stakes in this investment plan. So, yeah. like, it, arguably, like, more people were enriched by him winning the lottery than just some random person. Yeah, and that that had just got Ken Thorson's goat. He was like, no. I, he was so mad. Carly, don't, I don't like that all these people are having a nice little windfall of cash. Uh, yeah, that's that's that. I would definitely do it. I, man, yeah. I, I, I the, the only downside is like the the overhead, like you know, like sixty grand just to right. ship the tickets themselves, you know. But at the end of the day, that's just the cost of doing business when your payout is fifteen million dollars. But then when right. when your just incredibly huge balls stop you from losing it all in fucking five years, I guess there's that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, shout out Stefan Mondel. I don't know if I want to throw him straight in the good guys club. Simply because I don't I don't know. It seems like he squandered the money and and wouldn't have gotten that money if he didn't uh, get everybody else to invest. You know, so it's like that's yeah. What... He I mean he definitely seems like kind of an asshole. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd I'd necessarily put him in the good good guys club, but I do think that this is a definitely a benevolent scam. Yeah, you know, benevolent scam for sure. I mean, you know, you got to think, you know, I we don't take it lightly with the good guys club, you know. We don't just throw anybody in there who we have a guy who <laughs> who couldn't play soccer but got paid like he did, a guy who ran a bordello for dogs, uh, the kids <laughs> who made the fake Beatles band and or the fake band and opened for the Beatles and then the guys who um, the guy who run, ran on the field at like 19 different sporting events. Like, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like that. It's a select group. It's a select group, okay? And we're not just out there just handing it out all willy nilly. So, sorry, Stefan. You'll just have to deal with your bullshit ass history making algorithm and not the real <laughs> prestige that is the, uh, the hallowed halls of the good guy club. So. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's that, man. Uh, definitely worth it. I'd do it. Um, if anybody has an idea on how to do this, tweet me. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Patrons, at, yeah. if you if you want to go in on this, if if you're buying into this investment via Patreon, and then we buy everyone lotto tickets and we figure this out, we're gonna do it. Yeah, we will do that. Speaking of Patreon, guys, uh, we do uh, two. Uh, extra episodes a month uh, on our Patreon. Uh, so if you guys are interested in that, look us up. It's patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, we've been having a lot of people, new people sign up. We crank out the episodes. and there are people. Yeah, we also, um, we just launched a Patreon goal as well. When we get to $1,000 in Patreon money, we're actually going to be doing one episode a week. So yeah. this is the free one for September. Um, but once we hit that thousand dollars, we'll be doing two free and two bonus episodes a month. Yeah. So if you, if you subscribe, it helps out everybody. It helps out people who can't afford to subscribe. Uh, so that is a, a sweet bonus we're going for. So yeah. yeah, definitely check it out. If you would like some more, uh, hot scam content. Yeah. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Look us up. Uh, I, I'm on, we're on, we're on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter at, at PZTX. That's P-E-E-Z-Y-T-X, because I thought of the name when I was 23, and, and, and now I have followers, so I'm keeping it. But uh, <laughs> uh, And yeah, we also, the, the podcast is at LCS Podcast on Twitter.com, and that's probably the best place to get a hold of us. We're pretty active. We'll engage with you. We'll talk to you. And yeah. Um, do you have anything else to plug, or should I do mine? No, I have nothing coming up. Uh, I'll be appearing <laughs> at the uh, HEB gas station next to my house tomorrow morning to buy a Bang Energy drink before work, if you want to catch me there. 
I am Kath Barbadoro on social media. Um, I also have another podcast called What a Time to Be Alive. That's a weekly podcast where we count down all the things each week that make you say the thing that's the title of the podcast. Uh, our, we had a really fun one this past week. I guess this won't be topical, so never mind. I'm, but I'm sure we had a really fun one this past week. Also, <laughs> so check it out. We have a Patreon for that as well. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to plug. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know, please hit us up on Patreon. Like I said, yeah, you joining on Patreon will get more content for everybody so we can just make everybody's lives a little easier because Lord knows the world has stopped spinning. Uh, aside from that, <laughs> guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Be smart. And uh, above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye.